Welcome to the prosthetic experience. For many, understanding what it means to have to use a prosthetic rather than a natural limb is very hard to comprehend. We understand what a prosthetic is at a basic level, but we do not understand how its limits impact a person, physically, mentally, and emotionally, and the ways that the boundaries of the human body are currently being redefined. Episode 1, An Amputee's Experience, features an amputee, Mark Rosen, a Harvard graduate and director of financial services in New York who tragically lost his limb in his teenage years due to health complications. In this episode, you will hear his story, the difficulties he faced, his perspective on the technological advancements in the field, and lastly, his experience with the phenomenon of phantom limb pain. This is the prosthetic experience. Thanks for having me. I'm Mark Rosen. I live in New York City and I am an above the knee amputee. Would you like me to sort of get into the history of that? Or? Yeah, so I mean, I think one of the most interesting things about prosthetic users is the uniqueness of their, their stories. And so can you just tell me about your story and like what limb are you missing? And yeah. if you're comfortable, just like share what happened. And Sure. I was diagnosed with cancer when I was 12 years old, right? Wow. Right around the start of seventh grade. And yeah, you know, started with some, some pain and, and what looked like swelling in my leg. And I was diagnosed with Ewing sarcoma and the tumor was on the upper part of my left fibula. Wow. And I began treatment at Memorial Sloan Kettering Cancer Center which consisted of both chemotherapy and surgery. I actually had a, an initial major surgery prior to the amputation. I had, excuse me, a removal of the tumor and, and what's called a fibulectomy, where they actually removed the entire bone. And as I understand it, the, you know, the fibula is kind of the secondary bone in your lower leg, yeah. so you can actually function pretty well with just the tibia down there. And so that, that was the plan, and it ended up being an extremely involved surgery that lasted between eight and nine hours. And unfortunately, the way that the tumor was, was situated, and which they didn't really fully realize until they you know, went in for the surgery, and then the pathology report afterwards and whatnot, the only, the only way to, you know, feel safe about removing the cancer was was to go ahead with an above the knee amputation. Yeah. So I had that surgery, I think a little more than a week, about nine days after the fibulectomy. That, that must have been devastating. Like, I mean, I'm sure you played sports and you were, you did a lot of things. So losing your leg must have been um, completely life changing. So like, can you explain what you like, what your thoughts were during this time? Yeah, you're very much hitting the nail on the head. So yeah. Again, I was 12 years old. I actually was was very athletic. I even though I I always did pretty well in school, I was convinced I was going to be a major league baseball pitcher. <laughs> so that was kind of my general thought process at that not fully mature age. And devastating is a good word to use because not only is it an amputation which is, you know, extremely Traumatic, major, life-changing, of course, for anyone. Yes. But it was a unique situation in that it was not part of the plan. Like, fortunately, it looked like they caught the cancer early enough where 
you know, I was going to survive. And then we had this whole plan of removing the tumor and the bone. And so it actually was something that I always kind of hung my hat on. You know, I just couldn't wait to to be done with everything. And it was one of these, in fact, my parents kind of used to say it to me as a rallying cry, like, hey, it looks, you know, at least you're not going to lose your life. You're not going to lose your leg. You know, we'll get through this. So when, when things took a sudden shift in the hospital to, oh, oh my God, I am going to lose my leg. We have to amputate your leg. That's yeah. Yeah. Devastating is, is the right word for it. And it's, it, I mean, it would be, and it is for any human being. It just, you know, yeah. For an athletic 12 year old boy who was told that was not going to have to happen. That was, that was very tough. Yeah. That's insane. I mean, as an athlete myself, I really could not imagine being told first that you're going to lose a leg and um, you won't be able to walk the same again. And also that you can't play your sport anymore and it's going to really change your life. Um, And then having to adapt a prosthetic after that. Uh, Can you just, I guess, talk more about your experience with your new prosthetic and adapting to it and the ways it changed your life? Yeah, it's a, it's a really interesting and and mind you, this was some time ago. Things have you know continued to evolve in the field. The the way it worked when I went through it was you kind of get a a starter prosthesis. It was called yeah. like a temporary prosthesis, just to sort of get an initial feel for what that might be like. And also, I was both you know, still undergoing chemotherapy and basically going through puberty and, you know, so I was, there were a lot of inconsistencies and changes constantly going on with my body at the time. So it wasn't, it wasn't the right time yet to sort of get fit for a more permanent prosthetic or permanent, like exactly. Yes. So there was that, and the temporary prosthesis, I think I, first used with with two crutches and then sort of got to the point where I could use, you know, one crutch, kind of like a cane. And then after, I forget how many months, but maybe it was when I finished chemotherapy. That's when I actually got fitted for what they called like a permanent prosthesis, which is just sort of a more more customized and and better functioning prosthetic. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, I mean, I've been researching a little about like children and prosthetics because obviously the children's like the, a child's limb grows a lot. So then the prosthetic won't fit them over time. And I right. actually am creating like a research project over that. But uh, yeah, so how I mean, I think you talked a little about like how they accommodated you as a child who was still growing. How did that affect the kind of like the technology of the prosthetic? Sure. Did you, yeah. Sure. So I think in two ways, you know, one is especially for an above the knee amputee, a critical component of the prosthetic is the socket, right? So that's that's the upper portion that the residual limb actually goes into. And the socket is ideally, you know, created to fit the shape of your leg, you know, the, the leg you have left so that you can fit into it and, and function as well as possible. So there were two ways, like one, as your body is changing, the, you, the actual size and shape of your leg 
can actually change. So yes. it's fine if it's like a tiny bit and gradual. And once it's more than that, it's, you know, it's a little bit, it can be a little bit more difficult. Yeah. So I probably had to, you know, get socket adjustments or even new sockets, you know, more, more frequently, certainly than, than as an adult. One of the things they, I, they were able to do though, was I think in some of the machinery, if you will, like in the, like kind of the, between the knee and the ankle, let's say they left, you know, they, they actually had almost like an adjustable feature where they could, you know, make it a little bit longer if I grew, you know, if I, if they yeah. needed to kind of even me out. So that I think that was at the time how they were able to, to deal with that. That's an interesting like economic problem with, because like in developing sure. countries, a lot, a lot of times they don't have access to like several prosthetics and all of that. So I, I find that kind of interesting. Yeah. So what type of prosthetic do you have now? And like, can you describe some of the technology that uses, like, do you use like myoelectric or like a different type of way of controlling it? Um, yeah, can you talk about that? Sure. Sure. So I don't, I don't know if there's a, a, a name for the overall <laughs> model I have. I kind of think of it and it, it, you know, there's three main parts yes. to, to and above the, prosthetic there's the socket the knee unit and the foot unit obviously there's filler in between but th those are sort of the three main things i have a socket that actually i'm not sure exactly what it's made out of some i mean some derivative of some type of plastic but it like it, carbon fiber or like no the socket itself is it's a plastic type of material that's both firm but almost a little bit malleable like it can you know like when you yeah sit on it and stuff and you know there's plenty of, of give so that you're not sitting on some fully hard rigid surface and it it's kind of it's form fitting so they they take a cast of your residual limb to actually then make the socket to fit your leg and it has to sort of fit a certain way and and you kind of have to have your leg and some of the the bone structure up towards the hip kind of locked into the socket to be able to function optimally and then it actually stays on via suction and i think there are some you know different different types of sockets out there but i've i've yes. used you know this type for kind of forever and so you kind of every time i put the prosthetic leg on i i kind of use this sort of um pull sock to kind of you know, get the, get the leg in there and, and get it in fully and firmly. And then there's just like a, a valve that you then put on to sort of seal off the air and create the, the suction. And that's, that's how it stays on. So that's the, the socket portion and the, the, excuse me, the knee unit is, um, pretty impressive. It's, I think when I started out, I always, was lucky to be in touch with pro prosthetists who were more on the cutting edge of things. And when I was a child, first getting a leg, this meant the knee unit. I had this, it was a hydraulic knee unit. So it actually used hydraulics to kind of help, you know, control the functionality of the knee, both the, the flexion and the extension. And there were some manual adjustments you could make if, you know, if I wanted to to run as opposed to, to be walking, but otherwise it, it, it functioned via hydraulics. Nowadays, what's become somewhat prevalent for those who are able to afford it are they have essentially these microprocessor controlled. Yeah, I've heard about those. Those are really so interesting. 
I have one of those and I, you know, it's really impressive, right? So it, yes. it, there, there are sensors throughout the, the leg, the, you know, the unit that can sort of, they're able to sort of quote unquote, see, you know, or feel like what you're doing and it, it it's, and the microprocessor can essentially help you walk in the correct way or maybe adjust or it can feel yeah, just like the angle of the foot and stuff like that too or is it just yeah yeah I, i've seen some that do that like the foot just for like walking at different slopes and right right so this part is more more focused on the on the actual um knee functionality and and how maybe how much resistance there is or how you know what you need it can also the type of model I have, the, the brand name, it's called a Genium. It's able to sense if you kind of move your leg in a certain way, if you wanted to, let's say, step over something, could be like some obstacle in the street or, yeah. or step up onto a curb or onto a step, this knee unit actually enables you to do that. It can sense what you're trying to do and lift accordingly, which is oh, wow. actually quite a big development that didn't exist when I was a child. So, and above the knee amputee traditionally never had an option of, let's say, climbing a staircase in a sort of foot over foot yeah. manner that an able-bodied person would. And it's so, yeah. It's so interesting how like the technology is being developed so far. Like I, I've been looking into this research that like is being done at MIT and Brigham's Women's Hospital and like, They've been doing this like Ewing amputation for military patients that like connects the nerves and muscles that the like the brain oh, can still control. Yeah, that's what the doctor Dr. McCarty. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, no, it's so so interesting, and um, I mean, I, like, I, I guess this is kind of strange from the last question, but like, yep. I mean, we're talking about kind of technology in the future. So, what do you over the next ten years, like, what do you hope happens with technology and prosthetics? Like, how do you? Like, how do you kind of see it going in the future? Yeah, you know, who knows, but it feels like, and this is part of what Dr. Cardi and his team have been working on. Yeah. It feels like generally the technology is going to be able to move more and more towards kind of bionics, if you will, or, you know, just, just yes. more and more of a direct interface between body and machine, for lack of a better word, right? So. Yeah. You know, what I grew up on was always more of a, you know, I got an artificial leg and I, you know, obviously yeah. had to learn how to walk all over again, but you're using your residual limb to control this mechanical unit below it. And then kind of understanding, okay, I have to like kind of push off on the, on the foot unit when I'm at this part of my gate and then swing the knee forward and, you know, they're, yeah completely relearn all of this and the way that we're moving now what we're moving towards and what's been worked on and, and started to put into use is just more of an innate like you're like almost like it's a part of you right yeah um, it's yeah. almost an extension so that, that that there's just much more of an intuitive or almost direct connection between the prosthetic and your actual you know the, the body that, that you're still attached to yeah yeah it's fascinating and so that seems to be the general direction there are also for again some of my time I, I don't know that much about this but i are you familiar with like osseo integration not not really no not really yeah it's a similar i mean essentially there they'll they you can 
I mean, you can be an amputee like myself who's had the same type of leg all this time. And if you want, you can undergo a surgical procedure where they're essentially, <laughs> sounds crazy, but they're, they're like almost like fusing some kind of screw or bolt like into your, the bone at the bottom of your residual limb. And then it act so it actually will be like a, a screw or something like, I guess, coming out of the bottom of your leg, which again, I know sounds crazy, but the, the thought is then instead of, let's say, what I've been doing, like using a pole sock and having like a suction prosthesis and kind it's of hoping, to you. Yeah. hoping that I'm fit in at the right angle and deep enough and, you know, so on and so forth. Exactly. This is actually all of a sudden you're, you're taking prosthetic leg and like screwing it right on, you know, right? Like you're, wow. yeah. you, you eliminate the socket portion, which I will tell you for an above the knee amputee. It's a really big deal. There are a lot of discomforts that that come from from the socket, and if that technology were furthered or perfected or whatnot, it's you know that that could also be something pretty pretty awesome in the, in the near future. Yeah, no, that's that's a really good insight. I I think I wanted to connect your first point about like these bionics and how they're controlling them. Like I, I've read into this phenomenon called phantom limb that that I'm sure you've experienced. I mean, it's reported to occur with like eighty to one hundred percent of amputees. So, and that's just for the audience. It's a condition where patients experience like sensations, whether painful or otherwise, in a limb that doesn't exist. So it's like they kind of feel the limb is there but it's not like after an amputation. So how did you experience this? Like, can you tell me more about this? Yeah. Yeah. So the answer is yes. It's fascinating. I don't, I have no idea how it works medically or scientifically. I assume it's some result of the way nerves are cut or something. I, yes. I, I don't know, but you, well, a couple of things. One, I, to this day, I always, I have this sensation sort of where my foot was. Now, yeah. I had my leg amputated kind of exactly 37 years ago. So this is a very long time. And yes. it's almost like a, you know, like when your hand or foot falls asleep, like you get that pins and needles type of sensation. Yes, I do. So I do that. that I, to some degree or another, I almost, I always have a little bit of that type of sensation where like my left foot would have been. And is that painful? Most of the time, no. So like right now, I, you know, now I'm thinking about it because we're talking about it and I can, I can feel that it does not hurt one iota. That being said, this same, you know, phantom limb sensation sometimes manifests as, you know, we, we kind of call it phantom pain, but there are times when it's extremely, extremely painful. I believe it happens a little bit more frequently in the months after the surgery, but I still get it to this day. Sometimes I have no idea why. I would say every couple of months, it just sort of strikes and it's extremely, extremely painful and can last anywhere from a minute to an hour. Wow. Yeah. It's just sort of an unfortunate side effect. Yeah, no, it's so it, interesting. It, like, I think- fascinating. It's definitely something neurological. And they, I mean, it's interesting how it can happen after so many years as well. Right. 
the limitations of the amputation and prosthetic, I kind of wanted to talk about that more as well. So like how does using prosthetics limit you physically and, sure. and even mentally? Sure. And how, does it, how does it help you? Is like how do you how do you feel like it's improved your life more? Sure. So if, there's there's the obvious, you know, it goes without saying it made my life incredibly more difficult. Yes. Of course. And especially physically. It's it, I mean, look, it's of course it's emotionally very difficult, very, very traumatic type of thing to go through, of course. Physically, yeah, look, it's it's a challenge and I've gotten to the point where it's been so long and such a majority of my life now where, you know, most of the time everything is sort of second nature, but yes, you know, like anytime I'm going down a flight of stairs, I hold on to the railing because, you know, it's not quite the same for me as for able-bodied people. And I, you know, again, the, the leg is structured in a way where it tries to help protect you against you know, some kind of mishap or fall, but I'm still at much higher risk of some something just completely unforeseen happening. And so anytime I use a staircase, mm, yeah. I need, you know, need to use a railing. And I, I mean, now I'm old enough where I'm not really, I don't have any real true need or use to be like running around. But of course, again, stating the obvious, it makes running around in sports much more difficult. And that's even the case like within leg amputations, there's an enormous difference between being an above the knee or below the knee amputee. Yeah. Something that I certainly never thought of myself before I came on became one. But it's almost I view it now, it's like a it's a totally different disability. That's really interesting. So like your is that because of the just like the muscle groups below the or about like right above the knee versus below or versus like the entire limb you know the human body is like the most amazing piece of machinery that's ever come around right like yes. i mean so even something like the functionality of a knee which i guess if you're a doctor you think about these things but i certainly never did or you sort of take it for granted and but yeah when you don't have one <laughs> Then you can, you know, you feel every day how much you're 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 missing and and how much of a, a handicap this condition can actually be, and and you can see it like even a below the knee amputee also incredibly traumatic experience. They have to overcome a ton of things, but it's I'm telling you, it's an extremely different, very different level of of this. So yeah, just all of those limitations, and there are, look, there are days when just from doing a lot of walking or maybe if I took a bad step or maybe if, you know, while I was sitting around the socket, you know, the, the angle shifted a little bit that there are days where by the end of the day, I'm actually in quite a bit of discomfort and yes. just from like pressure points within the socket. And, you know, it just sort of comes, comes with the territory. So the physical challenges are, of course, they're always present. You just, you know, if you're fortunate like myself to always have had sort of superior prosthetics, it just makes it much, much easier to, to go about your life. And I would say to, to kind of get back to the other part of your question, like, of course, it's, again, it's a terrible thing that happened to me. But there are, there are positives, like it, like any other adversity that, that someone might go through, right? It, it just, it gives you immediate perspective on life and makes you that much stronger. I mean, that's 
absolutely been the case for me. And, and it was unfortunate and unfair that it, you know, kind of happened to me as a, as a 12 year old kid, but I think it helped me immensely in terms of, you know, having, I guess, a mature and healthy outlook on life. Yeah, no, I think uh, that's very inspirational because I mean, you, you, you did start like I, for the audience who probably a majority of them have able bodies and they're not amputees and like you were, you, you were like a fully able body and then this tragic thing happened. So it's, it's really inspirational how you kind of overcame it. And I mean, you're, you're very successful today. And so I, I thought that's very inspirational. Thank you. So my last question is really, is there anything else you wish that others would know who are kind of less educated on prosthetics or um, you just don't know as much about like amputees and all that? Yeah, I guess yeah, some of the things I touched on, on sort of a, a almost like a softer or more human note, I think I know before, before this happened to me, you know, every now and then, whether maybe it was on the street or on TV or something, if I saw an amputee, it was, you know, it was just a, an immediate thought of like, oh my God, that poor person, you know, yeah, wow, you know, and immediately like you can't relate to it. You just think it's such a terrible thing. And it is, but I guess, yeah, one thing to appreciate, which I would imagine applies to most other disabilities or whatnot, you know, the, the person afflicted, or in this case, you know, myself, you're, I don't know, you sort of have an overriding desire to live your life, live a normal life. You know, when something yeah. it's taken away from you, and or something physical, whether it's temporary or, or permanent. I mean, I just remember having this burning desire to, you know, look, I'm still here. Like I was in the hospital and I mean, I literally had friends, other children who, who didn't survive. Right. So like, okay, I had a tough thing happen to me, but I'm a lot better off than a lot of other people. And I just want to kind of get back to to living life as as fully and as normally as possible. And that's almost sort of always like an overriding, even though every day I have to think about certain things while while I'm walking and, and be careful in, in certain ways and try to avoid painful things. I'm I'm really just just trying to to, to live my life as normally as possible. Thank you, Mark, for that incredible insight. I think um, it's crucial for the viewers to understand that I think the real purpose of prosthetics is to get someone's life back to normal and back to how it was before the amputation. And I think your positive outlook on your hardships and overcoming these hardships to um, get back to this normalcy is really inspirational. And I found that very inspirational. And I think the viewers um, will, too. Thank you, Mark, for making this episode possible, and uh, I'll see the rest of you in the next episode of The Prosthetic Experience.